Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in that time of worship. Welcome, everybody. Welcome you that are joining us online as well. Glad to see everybody that is physically here with us and excited to have you if you are joining us online this morning. Hey, before we get into the message, I want to give a quick reminder about giving. If you would like to give uh, as a form of worship to the Lord, uh, to the ministry of Holmes Avenue here, or uh, as you know, we, we mentioned it last week, we are collecting offerings for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American missions. Uh, all this week on our social media this past week, we were showing uh, prayer requests from the week of prayer. Actually, that was back in March. But since we had the video this week, I wanted to highlight those prayer requests again. Uh, so if you want, you can go back and listen to the stories of these uh, people that are serving faithfully all across North America right now uh, through the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Those tithes go towards them. So if you would like to give towards that, you can do that on there as well. Uh, but all those options are there on the screen. You can text to give, use the QR code, or go to the website. Now, Today, if this is your first time with us or first time in a while, uh, we are currently in the middle of our Road to Jesus series. It's an Easter series that we have been going through. We pushed pause on the book of Acts for four weeks so that we could specifically look at this idea of the road to Jesus leading up to Easter Sunday. So next Sunday will be the conclusion of this series. And so far in this series, we have looked at uh, the entire picture of the gospel, basically. Week one, we talked about God and, and who he is and his attributes and the great love that he has shown towards us in Christ. Secondly, last week, Pastor Walter preached and we looked at Ephesians chapter two and how we as man, how we are sinful, but God demonstrated his great love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. And here today on this Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, we're gonna look at the text from Matthew's account today but we're specifically looking at Jesus, Jesus Christ. I am so excited for this message today because it is Jesus Christ whom goes to the cross to die for the sins of all mankind. Jesus Christ is the reason that you and I are able to gather here today and have our freedom in Christ, if you are in Christ. On this Palm Sunday, we look to Jesus and I've entitled the message, as you see there, Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy. And I said it's Palm Sunday, the beautiful palms that are here. St. Andrew's provided those for us this morning. The beautiful Easter lilies that, that many of you have contributed money towards for, for us to get. And I appreciate Kathy getting all that. I, I just love this season. It's my favorite season of the year. And as we go into this week, I'm gonna mention this again at the end, but I really, really want you to pay attention this week because every single day on our website and on our social media channels, we're going to experience Holy Week. Holy Week begins on this Palm Sunday and each day this week, three times, specifically on Thursday, you're going to see a devotional video for about five minutes from the different Park Circle pastors that are involved in the Good Friday service. We've done this the last couple of years, and, and Pastor Walter took the time to record these brothers and, and to make the edits on all the videos and, and to get it ready for us, and they're going to show each week on our Facebook page about 11 to 1, somewhere in there, each day. You'll be able to check those out. I wanna encourage you to go, because each day you're going to hear, here's the summary of what took place. 
There's also an email that's going out to everybody this afternoon. And by the way, if you want a printed copy, we will give you a printed copy today before you leave. So do not leave without getting one of these. A ne- the, uh, excuse me, a devotional that leads all the way through Easter that all of these part circle pastors have written a devotional for each day. And so we've got Pastor Mark from Friendship, Pastor Craig and David from Centerpoint Church at Remount, Pastor Hayden from Portside, Pastor Brett from Cooper River, Pastor Jeremy from Two Rivers Presbyterian, and then also Pastor Walter and I from here. And it's these devotional thoughts leading us through each day. So you'll not only get the video, but you'll also have a devotional thought with an area for you to do your private study. I know you may be reading through a reading plan, uh, maybe a, a Bible in a year plan, things like that. I don't wanna tell you to stop your reading plan, By all means, keep doing your reading plan, but if you want something else additional, or if you don't have a reading plan right now, I wanna encourage you this week to take advantage of the resources that are being given to you to study and learn about this holy week. It is a powerful week, because it is this week that leads to Good Friday, that leads to Good Friday where Jesus would go to Calvary's cross, bearing the weight of our sin and shame on his shoulder, and God would pour out his wrath on Jesus, a death that we all deserved. But Friday doesn't just end the story, Sunday comes, and Jesus conquers the grave, and Jesus resurrects. So we will celebrate that next Sunday. More on Easter Sunday at the end of our gathering. So as I said, we're, we're in this message, Jesus is worthy, and we're looking at Matthew's account, 11 verses today. So I wanna encourage you, let's stand together and let's read from Matthew's account. The words will be on the screen if you need it. Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse one. The word of the Lord says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of the beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that were before him, that followed him, were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God for it. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you are gracious, you are kind, you are merciful, you are loving. God, we thank you, Lord, that although we were sinful man, Lord, that separated ourselves from you, that sin pushed you away from us, God, because we were just eat up with it, Father, because of the sins of Adam and Eve that then brought forth sin into the whole world. God, although that was true, you still loved us enough to sin, your perfect, sinless son, your only begotten son, King Jesus, who would live a sinless life that would begin a ministry of three years to where one of his followers would betray him. 
And he would be sentenced as an innocent man to death on the cross of Calvary. Going there in our place, Lord, you poured out your wrath on him, but he did not just die that day and the story ended. He resurrected, and Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this redemptive story. We thank you, Lord, that even at that point, Lord, there's still a day coming where Jesus comes back and all pain and suffering is gone. No more death, no more tears. There's a day coming, Lord, where the new heavens and the new earth will be established and we will worship you forever because you are worthy. Lord, as we look at this text today, Father, I pray, God, that you would speak. Father, I pray that you would keep this sinful man out of the way, God. Have your way today, O oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. For our message today, we're going to see that Jesus is worthy of all glory, honor, and praise because he is the God, he is God in the flesh and the promised redemptive king. So if you want to take notes, I pray that you are. Your first point is this, Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. Matthew 21 verse 1 again reads, and now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples. Stop there for a moment. He's given this description, Matthew is for us, of Jesus and the disciples drawing near to Jerusalem. Now, where are they coming from? Well, we know from John's account that Jesus has just recently resurrected Lazarus prior to going to Jerusalem. And why is it worth noting that? That alone should show the fact that Jesus is God. He is fully God. He is fully man. He is a part of the Trinity, he is the one who has come to pay the price for the sins of all mankind. He has authority in this world. He has authority forever. He has authority over the grave. He resurrects a man from death. He resurrects Lazarus from the grave. Now he comes to Bethpage, which is less than a mile of Jerusalem, and it's at the southeast slope of the Mount of Olives. Now, we know from Scripture that Jesus liked to go to the Mount of Olives. Matter of fact, after the time of the Lord's Supper on Thursday night, as we will reflect on that this week, Jesus finishes there. They sing a song, and they go to the Mount. They go there for the purpose of what is about to transpire with Jesus being betrayed, arrested, and then sentenced to death. Now, this slope that's on the southeast, I thought this was extremely interesting. It's about 2,660 feet above sea level. And what's interesting about it is it looks directly over the temple area of Jerusalem, directly over that place. They come to Bethpage, and he's about to get ready to go into Jerusalem. He's about to enter the triumphant entry as Pastor Walter said a minute ago, that leads to the cross where he will triumphantly kill sin and death, defeating it on the cross. And as he's about to go in and do that, no, I can't try that again. My watch just talked back to me. Sorry about that. As he's standing there and he's looking out, he's looking over the temple area, and I don't think there's a mistake that that is mentioned about Bethpage. Can you see the imagery? 
the Messiah, the promised king, is standing there overlooking the area where worship is supposed to be given to God. And yet, as we know, on Holy Week Monday, Jesus goes into the temple and he cleanses the temple because they're selling things in there. They're doing things that they should not be doing. They're not bringing honor and worship to God in the temple. You see, the king is standing there and he's overlooking Jerusalem. He's overlooking where he's about to go into and he's overlooking the place where worship should be given to God and it's not happening. He's looking over to see, man, this is the whole purpose and reason of why I'm coming for sinners. Verses two and three, I'll read together. It says, saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. Now Jesus sends these two disciples into the village and he does so to find this donkey. And he says that there's gonna be a colt there with her. And he gives this directive there in verse three. He tells them that if anybody questions you, tell them that the Lord needs them. Tell them that the Lord needs them. Now, that literal word there means their Lord, master. But in this case, the disciples, they go and they act as servants of the Lord, as the master. They're going to do what they have said. So he's saying, hey, if they say something to you, just say that the Lord needs them. And the people that hear that are going to interpret that, oh, well, your Lord, your master, they need them. Okay, well, here you go. But here, Matthew also points to the fact that Jesus is also saying that he is Lord over all. You see, Jesus is Lord. The Lord needs them. Jesus is Lord. He's pointing to the sovereign authority that he's been given. He can stand there in the flesh, God in the flesh before them as their teacher, as their rabbi, as their friend, but he's also standing before them as God in the flesh. Paul, when he's writing to the church at Colossae, he says in chapter two, verses nine through 10, for in him, talking about Jesus, in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. You see, Jesus is full of deity. He is the head of his followers. He is the head of his church. He has all rule and all authority forever and ever and ever for all eternity. After the events of this week that we celebrate, we remember, and the resurrection takes place, Jesus goes to his disciples, and he spends about 40 days with them before he ascends into heaven. And the great commission that we should all know, I pray, if you don't know it, take the time to memorize it. Before he tells them to go and make disciples, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Anytime you see therefore, there's a reason that it's therefore. I am telling you, because I have all authority, go and make disciples. This is the man 
who resurrected Lazarus from the grave. This is the man who, when the, the woman is laying there and they say, well, she's already died, he says, no, she's just sleeping, and they laugh at him, and yet he says, child, arise, and she comes to life. This is the man who will be beaten, mocked, flogged, and nailed to a cross, and yet will rise after dying. This is the Son of God who has all authority. This is God in the flesh. Not only is Jesus God in the flesh, but Jesus, number two, is the promised king. Jesus is the promised king. Look at verses four and five together. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Matthew lets us in on a helpful bit of information here. He indicates that this took place to fulfill what was spoken of the prophet. Now, I'm going to give you two different references here. The first is the one that ties in directly to Zechariah's prophecy. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So here, Zechariah is describing what happens when Jesus is coming in during this triumphal entry on the colt, and the people begin to praise him. And we'll get to more on that praising in just a moment. But Zechariah's prophecy states that their king is coming. It's pointing to the fact that Christ is the righteous Davidic Messiah that was promised, the king who has been promised for ages. The one who was promised long ago. He is coming. Now Isaiah also has another prophecy very similar to this in 62 verse 11. And it says, behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the ends of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. I don't want you to miss what Isaiah is saying here, church. Salvation has come to the people. It's Jesus. It's Jesus that has come. The reward is with him. What is the reward? The forgiveness of sins by the dying of the sins of the whole world. Jesus sacrifices himself on the cross for us, for all who would repent and believe. Jesus is giving what cannot be given in return. He gives his very life for the sins of you and I. He gives his life for the sins of the people who would kill him. Truly, as John says in his wonderful gospel, greater has no love than when someone gives their life for their friends. Jesus has done that for us. I do think that it's interesting 
that in the quoting of Zechariah's prophecy and some of Isaiah, that Matthew points to the donkey as this beast of burden. Think of that for a moment. The donkey, it's commonly used for transporting loads or doing heavy work. Now, I am not saying that Jesus riding in on the colt, it's a heavy burden for the colt just because Jesus is super heavy or anything like that. I want you to think about it in the sense of this. He's riding on this beast of burden, carrying a heavy load because Jesus is about to go through a very heavy burden. Jesus is about to go through a very heavy burden. You see, the donkey, the colt, it's bringing Jesus into Jerusalem as he's about to face the coming heavy load of his suffering and death. Verses six and seven say, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks and he sat on them. We see Christ's authority honored as the disciples go and do exactly what he's asked of them to do. The disciples do as they're told and all goes off without a hitch. Matthew tells us there in verse seven that the disciples put the cloaks on them and he sat on them. And this is just a quick little aside. I wanna make sure that we point out that Jesus is not necessarily sitting on both the donkey and the colt. The second them there in verse seven is a reference to the work of the cloak, the word cloaks in the Greek. So them, they're being put on them, but Jesus is sitting on one going in. Verse eight says, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And we see here that most of the crowd goes and lays their cloaks, others cut the branches and they lay them all down. This symbolizes honor. It symbolizes honor. The coming king will not have to walk. The coming king's colt will not have to walk on the dirty ground. He will lay, we will lay our cloaks out, we will lay our palm branches out, and they will be able to walk on those items as he comes in. It's this symbol of honor that we know from John's gospel as well in chapter 12 that these are specifically palm branches. And we know this is the Sunday before Palm Sunday, so put them together. That is why we call today Palm Sunday. But Jesus is coming in on the cold and the laying of these items on the ground, it's reminiscent of this victory parade. It's reminiscent of this victory parade that we see in the Old Testament. To give you an example, in 2 Kings 9, we see that Jehu is anointed to be the king of Israel. And listen to what it says in verse 13. Then in haste, every man of them took his garments and put it under him on the bare steps, and they blew the trumpet and proclaimed, Jehu is king. Here in this moment, Jesus is coming in on the colt and the people take their cloaks and they lay them out on the ground. They cut the palm branches and they lay them down to honor and to praise for he is coming in, which leads me to point three. Jesus is worthy of worship. 
Jesus is worthy of worship. I'm gonna read nine through 11 all together and we're just gonna camp out on verse nine for a moment. Nine through 11 reads, and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. As this parade-like victory celebration begins, and he enters, the people begin shouting praise to Jesus. First they say, Hosanna! We just sang, Hosanna! Hosanna translates, God save us! The next thing they say is, the son of David. This is a reference to the promised messianic deliverer from the line of King David. The kingdom will reign forever and it will not be an earthly kingdom. It is eternal. We know from the book of 2 Samuel that David is anointed to be the king of Israel. And later in chapter 7, the Lord's covenant is made with David, spoken through the prophet Nathan. And it reads this way in 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 through 16. Listen to this. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. It's eternal. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him and as I took it from Saul whom I put away before you and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. What is God saying there through Nathan to David? Listen to me. I will be a father to him and he will be a son. When he commits iniquity, wait a minute, Pastor Brian, hold on. Jesus is gonna commit iniquity? No, 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 no. It's referencing it's referencing our sin. God says, I will discipline him with the rod of man, with the stripes of the sons of men. It's pointing to the flogging and the beating of Jesus. But my steadfast love will not depart him. He also goes on to say that it will be established forever, the throne it's all pointing to the fact that Jesus is the promised king, therefore he is worthy of worship. The people say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is the coming one who even just a few chapters to us earlier, John the Baptist would prepare the way for. They say, Hosanna in the highest. 
It's a praise to God in the highest. It's much like the psalmist proclaims in Psalm 148, praise him in the heights. To the highest heights we praise you, for you are worthy. You see, what's happening here is the praise and worship of Jesus, the son of David. Here in this moment, there is worship taking place. Now, although this is like some kind of victory parade, it's not necessarily a victory parade. Yet. Yet. Jesus is coming into the city on the cult. The people are praising him and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. You see, for these people, they believe that the Messiah would be this mighty warrior that would come and stand on their behalf. Yet, yet, he's coming humble and mounted on a colt. He's not coming in with a sword ready to devour and fight away anybody that stands in his way. He comes in humble and mounted on a colt. Yes, this is the Messiah. Yes, he's not fighting against enemies. He's not fighting against the government. He humbly submits himself to the will of the Father to be crushed for our iniquity. You see, for us, this week is set aside as a time for us to truly reflect on what Jesus has done. I don't want you to mishear what I'm saying. But I think sometimes we get numb to the reality of our salvation. I think sometimes we think Jesus has paid the ultimate price and I'm grateful for it. Thank you, Jesus. And we go about living our life in the way that we want to live it. When instead, we should be waking up every day and saying, Jesus, you are worthy, and so I give you my life. Wherever you are leading, I will go. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. I wonder if that was truly our mindset every single day, what would God do through us? And I'm not saying anything, no condemnation in Christ. I'm not saying that you are not living that way. I'm just asking the question, self-reflection. What would it look like if that was our daily response? What would God do through us? I believe, as Ephesians 3.20 says, far more abundantly than we could ask or think. See, Friday's coming where the humble Messiah that rides in on the colt will be betrayed, will be beaten, will be mocked, will be flogged, even to a point where he's asked 
These people are saying you're a king. Are you a king? And Jesus says, you have said so. Jesus stands there and takes it all. He could have easily, the moment that they were nailing him to a cross, said, nope, this is it, I'm done, and called down a legion of angels to fight on our behalf, but instead he says, no, I will die for them. In fact, when he's being nailed to the cross, Luke 23 says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He takes the wrath of God for us. He's buried in a tomb, and on the third day, he resurrects. He ascends. He sits at the right hand of God, interceding on behalf of you and I, and he's coming back. He's coming back. And you and I have borrowed time right now until the day he calls us home or he returns to proclaim and demonstrate this gospel to people that we know and love who are lost, that need this truth. The king is worthy of our worship. I want to show you just how worthy he is. You don't have to turn there. You're welcome to if you want to, but it'll be on the screen. I just want to read to you a picture of what is to come. A powerful picture of what is to come. In Revelation, John's writing from the island of Patmos and God gives him this revelation of Jesus, this revelation of heaven. And in chapter four, we see the, the description of the throne in heaven and its glorious majesty. And then we get to chapter five. And I'm gonna read you the whole chapter, it's not long, but listen. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaim with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, 
Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is Jesus Christ who is worthy. He is the one who holds the seal, who is able to open the seal, who will reign forever and ever and ever. And you and I, when we die from this broken, horrible world that we live in, yes, there's good points, but it is full of sin. We will die and we will be in eternity with God. And we will cry out, worthy to him who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. This is Jesus. I'm sorry. This is Jesus, the one who is worthy of all honor all praise and all worship. This is the king who triumphantly enters Jerusalem, who does what he does through Holy Week, who spends time at the Lord's Supper with his disciples, who serves the man that would betray him. And then yet, after being arrested in illegal trials, He still goes to the cross and he dies for the sins of you and I. He is the only one, the only one who is worthy to open the scroll in heaven. He is the only one worthy of our praise, although we are sinful man saved by grace. He is the Lord. And he is all deserving. So today I ask the question Is Jesus worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory and praise? The answer is yes. My question to you is. Are you giving him the worthy worship that he deserves? Only you can answer that question. You may sit here, you may be listening online, you say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm good. You may, after some self-examination and the Holy Spirit 
moving in your life, you may say, you know what? I'm not living in a way that I present my life worthy to the one who is worthy. If that's the case, okay. Repent, confess it to God, and move forward living a life that is worthy of the gospel. If you're here today or you're listening and you say, you know what, I've never surrendered to this worthy king. I've never given my life to him. Today may be the day of salvation for you. And if it is, we're going to celebrate. We're going to throw a party. We're going to be excited for you. And we'll baptize you. Because we're doing baptism next Sunday. It's going to be a great day. Whatever it is that God is saying to you today, please listen and please be obedient. We're going to have a moment of quiet, reflective prayer. And then our worship team is going to lead us in this song, Hallelujah for the Cross. And it's somewhat of a newer song, but I want to encourage you as those words are there, if you are a follower of Jesus I want you to sing. I want you to sing and praise him. Because here's the thing. Just a quick aside. If you don't like to sing and praise, you better get ready. Because as you can see, we're going to be doing it nonstop in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, to you who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for coming Submitting to the will of the Father to go to the cross and to die for me, to die for my brothers and sisters here that are listening. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming us. Thank you, Lord, for your word that shows us the picture of what is to come. Lord, we just say thank you. Father, I pray for everyone that's listening within the sound of my voice, Lord, that you would have your way with each of us. Father, that you would make clear the things that you want us to do, the things that maybe we need to truly repent and confess before you and walk in freedom from. Father, the things maybe that we are just concerned with, God, may we place them at your feet and say, Father, have your way in these things. Your will be done. Father, I pray that 
He would use our lives to be on mission for you, to make much of your name, to tell the world about this Jesus. The one who is worthy. I pray this and ask God that you'd have your way in us now over these next few moments. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.